Hi, everybody, and welcome along to this week's episode of the Fetch Podcast. And I've titled this episode On the Spot. And we're very lucky this week because we're joined by a good friend of mine called Crystal. And we get asked lots of different questions each and every day about the job that we do with the dogs. So we welcome Crystal to the podcast this week to fire some on the spot questions to us, all of which are unscripted. So be kind, Crystal. And this will gain a deeper insight into the world of working with dogs. This is the Fetch Podcast. My name is Damien. And if your dogs are listening, tell me what they think. So hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Fetch Podcast. So as mentioned in the introduction, I've got a good friend of mine with me here called Crystal. Hello. And hello, Crystal. And she's going to fire some questions at me. And I don't really know what these questions are about. They are dog related. I hope they're dog related, aren't they? Yeah, they are all dog related. Good, good. I hope they are. (laughs) And um, this is not an interview, but it's completely unscripted. And we're just going to roll with it. And I'm going to try and give as many truthful answers as I possibly can. Great. Thanks, Damien. So I have put together some questions. I'm going to start off with an easy one okay. um, just to kind of warm you up a little bit. Okay. So what is your favourite breed of dog and why? Oh, God. That's a tough one. Because... Is There's a lot more tough ones to come, trust okay. me. Okay. <laughs> because uh, I think if if my dog owners are listening, a lot of dog owners might say, why is my dog not your favourite? <laughs> Putting you definitely on the spot, which is what this podcast is all about. Okay. Um, I would say in terms of like the groups of dogs, I, personally, I'm quite a fan of working dogs. So I, I quite like Labradors and Spaniels and any dogs that have like a working purpose because I tend to find they're, they're, they're quite intelligent and they tend to become, I tend to find they're, they're kind of half trained already when you get them. You just have to unlock the potential in them. Mm-hmm. But there's there's so many dogs that I love. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of beagles. I like hounds I as well. Them. They're great. Yeah, they're really cool dogs. But I, I think number one is probably probably a Labrador, just because they're a nice all-round dog. See, I would say mine would be a Great Dane. They're just massive Why? dogs, aren't they? They're just massive. They've got big presence. Just the size of them? The size of them. They've got a lovely, yeah. gentle demeanour. If they were to jump up at you, you'll definitely know about it. But They're kind of the size of a small horse, aren't they? They are. Don't see many of them around these days. But I met one a few weeks ago, and his name was Duke. And he was nine months old. Duke the Great Dane. Duke the Great Dane. And he was nine months old. And when I went around to meet him, he, he jumped up on his back legs. And he put his front legs up on my shoulders and he was actually taller than me. He oh must have been gosh. at least six and a half foot. Oh my goodness. And he was licking around my face. I was getting covered in slobber. He was licking my face so much. I think we even went like tongue to tongue at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that your dream come true then? <laughs> my dream come true, yeah. And um, yeah, the owner was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I said, you know, he's only nine months, so he's really a puppy. But he was, you know, you could put a saddle on him. He was that big. They're so beautiful. They are good dogs. Yeah, they're very, they're they're easy dogs to to keep. It's not a great lifespan with a Great Dane. So I think that's why, again, I like a working dog because you get quite a good lifespan with them, a good sort of 12 to 15 years, really. And Labradors are great. Yeah, so I'd probably say a Labrador, but then there's loads of others where I go, oh, I love them and I love them. But yeah, I've always been drawn towards Labradors. Black Labrador or Golden? I don't know, probably, 
I don't know. I like them all, really. I mean, I quite like chocolate Labradors. They're a little bit bonkers. Uh, They're yeah. a little bit sort of bonkers. Um, I tend to find sort of golden Labradors. They tend to be the best workers. I tend to find they're a bit more scatty. And I think that's why black labs, they tend to make like good guide dogs. Because mm. they can be a little bit more calm in nature. But labs, labs, labs. Labs, labs, labs. All about the labs. So the next question then is probably a little bit on the spot. And I hope you've got the answer. Oh, it's the name, I, of this, the name of this episode, on the is, spot. I mean, it's, it's something that I'm very intrigued by, as I'm okay. sure many of your listeners um, might be intrigued by too. But um, why do dogs smell each other's bums? <laughs> <laughs> Throw that one in there. That one came from Nikki. What a question. <laughs> so this comes from your daughter. Why do dogs smell each other's bums? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I knew you, that you were oh, going to be the man dear. to answer this question. So there you go. What has my life come to? Oh, well, this. <laughs> we're sitting here on a rock star Wednesday evening and we're asking that question why do dogs sniff you each other's bums? You are the man in the know. So please enlighten me. Man us. in the know. Well, Think about as humans, what we do is when we greet each other, we we might smile or we shake hands or we do the the Boris Johnson elbow pump in the lockdown, things like that. <laughs> Whereas dogs, they, they, out of their backside, they obviously secrete their feces, but they also secrete like a pheromone, which is basically like their own identification. So it's a bit like when a dog urinates, not only are they releasing urine, but there is a scent in that urine, like a pheromone. So they'll be able to identify each other. And yeah, straight away, they want to sniff around the back end. They want to sniff around the, the genitalia. And it's just their way of greeting and sort of figuring out, you know, the pheromones. Can you imagine if we were to greet people in that way? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Horrendous. But I think we'd end up in jail quite quickly. Oh, so, yeah, it's all a way of just identifying each other's but you have to be careful with if you've got a, a male dog that's still intact yeah and then you've got a female that's in season then you might find something frisky happens quite quickly because the oh. female she will secrete that pheromone into the air to kind of say to the male dogs right i'm in the area mm. i mean one one owner said to me one time that she'd walked her dog and when she got him home he was howling and barking at the door and she'd never seen that before with him. So she called me up. It's actually quite late at night. And I thought, whoever's that calling me? And um, she said, he's doing this and this and this. Why is he doing that? And I said, have you just been on a walk? And she said, yeah. And I said, right, he's picked up the scent of a female who's in season. Right. And she said to me, shall I take him out for another walk to take his mind off it? And I thought, he's not going to take his mind off it. It's not a human. Mm. And I said, keep him indoors. Don't let him in the garden because when the males smell a female in heat, they'll go through such extreme circumstances to get to her. Oh, like wow. I've, I've known, I've known examples of dogs that have actually buried under the fences to get out. Oh my God. Or they'll try and jump the garden fence because their instinct is just go sky high through the roof. So Gosh. yeah, it's a way of sort of so na na it. <laughs> nature's way of dating <laughs> or a dog's way of dating. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. So, how like for, for you what makes a dog aggressive in nature and how do you then manage that uh gosh these questions are good yep they're really Put good what one. makes a dog aggressive now i don't i don't actually believe that a dog is born aggressive i don't believe they're born aggressive i think a lot of it is down to the environment they're raised in it's that kind of nature or nurture mm. It's so the same with people. I don't necessarily think people are born aggressive. People might be a little bit more highly strung than others, but I don't think we're born 
being very aggressive. So same with dogs. If they're born and they're sort of being raised as a puppy in an, in an aggressive environment, if someone is physically hurting them, um, especially with like uh, dog fighting, like dog baiting, mm. and that's quite horrendous because what they'll do is they'll put two young dogs or puppies in, in cages or crates and then they'll face the dogs against each other. Now, the dogs can't get to each other through the crate, but what they'll then do, they'll then induce, this is all illegal, by the way, obviously, and then what they'll do is they will induce pain in those puppies. So they might shock them in the back end. Oh my goodness. And in these crates, you know, the dogs don't have enough room to turn around or escape. So as they're being induced with pain, they're face to face with this other dog, like centimeters away. So all they do, they see the other dog, they associate the dog with pain. Mm. So, um, so it's basically just the, it's that kind of nature or nurture. A lot of it is the way they're nurtured and, and grown up. Because some breeds of dogs, they, they get a bad name, don't they? Sure. Thinking about maybe some stuffies. Or mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of dogs are... They yeah. get bad names. And you do see it and you hear horror stories, obviously, quite a bit on the news. Yeah. Um, but no, I agree. Definitely nature and nurture. But if you do get an aggressive dog, or maybe you've rescued a dog, for those that are, are interested in rescuing... Um, how do you then overcome that aggression? How do you then retrain that, so to speak? It's a good question because I will get a lot of inquiries or emails from people saying I have a dog that's aggressive. My dog might might try and bark and lunge at dogs and try and bite other dogs. And I say to those owners, it's best in that instance to actually go to a behaviorist mm. because a behaviorist and a trainer are two separate things. Like if a dog is aggressive, you can't necessarily train that aggression out of them. It has to be a long-term tailored plan of behavioral adaptation a little bit like someone maybe having like cognitive therapy uh, and some form of therapy to kind of rewire the brain and mm. to kind of desensitize them to to other elements around them really mm. so you might not be able to ever sort of get the the full aggression out of that dog but you you have to manage it train it well so yeah so some dogs you know you might have to they might have to go for the whole life wearing a muzzle just to be oh, on the safe side. It's sad, really, isn't it? It is sad. I mean, I've met dog groomers who have said to me, you know, they've met dogs and they get them up on the grooming table and the dog has tried to bite them. And they've had to put, you know, a sort of makeshift muzzle on them just so they could actually groom them because oh. they have to be groomed. But, yeah, it is, it is a tough one. It's a long-term behavioural plan that an aggressive dog might have to go through. And if you if you know the history of that dog and you know the potential triggers then it's obviously a lot easier to treat. Okay. And that's the problem with, like you said, about Staffies and Rottweilers. I mean, those two breeds are probably two of the most loving breeds you can get. But I think there's such a stigma around it where if a Staffie or a Rottweiler was to bite somebody, bite a young child, know about it, yeah, that would straight away make the news. Yeah. That'd be front page news. Whereas, I don't know, if a, if a little dog, like, I don't know, a little sausage dog or something did that, it wouldn't make the news. It's just the stigma, the stigma and the stereotype, whereas some of the most friendly dogs we have are Staffies. Mm. You know, they're beautiful breeds. So I don't I don't stereotype any dog. I just judge every dog on its own merit. Fair play. Yeah. Um, sort of leading into the next question as well, then. That's a nice pun there. <laughs> leading into the way. Leading, leading <laughs> into the next question. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, what is the most challenging barrier you've faced whilst training a dog? Uh, most challenging barrier? Wow. Wow. 
has put me on the spot. <laughs> Episode eight on the spot. <laughs> oh, you asked um, me to put you on the spot. No, that's good. Um, a challenging barrier. I would probably say this is pro- probably quite a common one where people will, will get in touch and they will say, I need this for my dog. I need this training for my dog. And then the owners will always be there. Sometimes owners will say, can I leave my dog with you? And then you drop them off at the end of the training. And I would say, no, you have to be there. As the owner, I'm not just teaching the dog, I'm training you. Mm. I'm training you to train your dog. And the biggest barrier I would say is when I'm training owners, but then they're not following through with what I've been showing them. So then it steps back, the dog steps back. They they step back. And in that short hour, the dog might respond to me, but then they'll get home and won't respond to the owners. So after an hour, some people might say, oh, is my my dog trained now? And I'll say, no, it's like... Persistence is key. Persistence and patience. So I would say probably that's the biggest barrier is owners that are not using the skills that I'm showing them. So people will say to me, shall I book another session like in two days time? Because I do one to one sessions. And I say to them, your homework now is for the next two to three weeks is go away with those skills and techniques I've shown you. Put them into practice. I will then follow that up later. And if you need me to come back, I'll come back. So when an owner's dedicated, do you see that payoff? Definitely. hundred percent. If I'll always know what owners have put in the homework, Mm. because if I'm doing a return session, I will say to people, right, show me what I showed you a month ago. And the dog and some some people might say, oh, we haven't really sort of done what, you know, we haven't really had time or managed to do what you showed us last time. And I have to say to them, unfortunately, what I'm probably going to be doing is repeating a lot of my first session. Mm. It's a bit like a video game. We have to complete stage one before we go to stage two. And the assessment to go up to stage two would be, right, show me that you've managed to teach your dog that. You need that time and dedication, don't you? you yeah. And especially from a puppy. And I know like now, fortunately, people work from home a lot more. So I guess that you've got the time to put it in but you do I guess need that time to put it in it's a it's a little bit like having a child like you you would not not put your kid into school mm. if you don't put or your potty training or potty training yeah if you don't take your kid to school or show them the basics at home of potty training or you know how to pick up a knife and fork then that's going to be evident later on down the line mm. so dogs in the same way as humans they have to be taught oh, absolutely you have to show them the way Damien, I'm hoping that you can answer this next question because, again, I'm not too sure why. I feel so, pressure from every question here yeah, because I, I, mean, I yeah, you are you are just the man in the know. I so. honestly don't know what's coming here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, again, maybe it's just my weird brain wanting to ask this. Maybe people out there want to know the answer to it as well. But okay, what does it mean when a dog has a dry nose? What does it mean when a dog has a dry? Is this your question or is this Nicholas? No, question? no, this is my question. This your is question. I want to know. Yeah. Um, well, dog's nose is obviously supposed to be wet. Um, if a dog's nose is dry, then the dog could have um, like uh, like a disorder in the nose. So you might notice if there's a bit of discharge coming from the nose and the dry is, the nose is dry and crusty, it could be the sign of a possible infection. And dogs can get their form of like the flu or like a cold, similar to what we can get as humans. The symptoms aren't the same. Mm. So it's probably a sign that there's a virus and that the dog is feeling a bit under the weather. I've actually actually read an article a few years ago where a dog, an owner said their dog's nose was dry, so they kept trying to wet the dog's nose to keep mm. it wet. They mm. just kept dabbing it with, <laughs> with a flannel. 
And I was like, you know, naturally it should be wet anyway. And they yeah. said, I just wanted like the dog's nose to be wet. And I said, you know. Like defeating the art of nature. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, think about when we have a cold, we get a dry throat. And our throat goes really hoarse and really dry. So, yeah, usually it's a sign of uh, an infection or a virus. And I teach up at Eastern College one day a week. And a couple of years ago, I was teaching an animal nursing course. And that's actually one of the, the you know, these were students that once wanted to go into veterinary studies. And that's actually one of the first lessons I taught them of how to identify ill health in an mm. animal. And it's not it's not just like a dog, they have to know cats, they have to know chickens because mm. they don't know what's come into the vet surgery. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, so in a nutshell, basically, dry nose means potential virus. Oh, bless them. Yeah. It's a good, good one to keep an eye out for then. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And I guess my next question then is around should owners be brushing their dog's teeth? Or is that just like a no-no and you should yeah. avoid that altogether? These are great questions. Well, These are good questions. I did put a lot of thought into it, like I said. They're actually giving me like ideas for like posts on the Facebook and Insta pages. Oh, well, you can thank me later, maybe give me some commission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a dog chew. Give me a dog biscuit. <laughs> yeah, give me a biscuit, yeah. Um, so should you brush your dog's teeth? So again, it just I think it's down to like owner discretion, really. I mean, when, when dogs are puppies, you can buy like puppy toothpaste. You can, it's like, it kind of looks like a little thimble that you put on your, mm. on your thumb and you can buy like doggy toothpaste is not like Colgate, like what we use. It's like a sort of like a beef, like a beef paste. Mm. And you can use that thimble and actually push your thumb into the puppy's mouth and you can actually do that. It is recommended that you do clean your dog's teeth because their teeth are made uh, of enamel, same as hours as well and they can get build up of bacteria and um you know cavities and things like that as well so i think that's why it's good as a young from a young age of a puppy is get the puppy used to putting your fingers on its teeth yeah. and around its gums it used to it. It gets used to it yeah because if you can touch the gums the vet might then have to do something called a capillary refill which is where you, you press the gums and wait to see how long the color comes back. So that'll give you an indication of blood flow. Mm. And also, you know, if, if a dog goes on and chips their tooth and you take them to the vet, the last one you want is a dog biting the vet if it's not used to having its teeth touched. Mm. So, yeah, I remember when I was younger and we had a, a little King Charles Spaniel called Smudge and we used to clean his teeth, Aww. you know, just once a week. And he kind of loved it because the toothpaste was like a beef paste. <laughs> like a beef patty <laughs> you know but it had properties in it and you like he loved that oh he loved it i think he'd have eaten the whole tube yeah. he was like brush my teeth again brush yeah again. yeah i could have brushed his teeth like 10 times a day really but who wouldn't want that though i know like pate on toothpaste but you'll always notice you'll always notice a dog's teeth they'll have like the black and black along the bottom so dog's teeth like ours should be nice and white nice and yeah. clean oh, that's good yeah that's good um, I have got one final question. It's not one I've written down. It's something that I was thinking of asking, but I didn't know if it was going to be okay. too much to ask. I'm more worried now. I, I mentioned it to my daughter. Well, is it about, we've, we've spoken about teeth, we've spoken about <laughs> dog's backsides. My daughter was like, you can't ask that question, Mum. So I'm, okay. I'm going to ask it because I feel like I need to now. This, 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 so... is, a <laughs> this is a child-friendly podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure children may want to know. I mean, some some dogs do, some dogs don't. So I appreciate it's not every breed. Okay. But mainly I would say Labradors, um, maybe some sort of puppies, star behaviour perhaps. But I've noticed at times, especially when I've had dogs, that dogs tend to eat other dog poo. 
I knew you were going to say that. How did you know I was going to say that? I just knew because people, if you're listening to this, you can't see Crystal's body language, but she's sitting here and she's squirming. (laughs) It's because I'm thinking, do I or don't I ask this? I mean, I don't know if any of your listeners are interested in that. It's just something I'm curious about. It's a good question. When I've I've noticed it and I've gone, or I've heard somebody say, oh, my dog just eats other dogs poo and i'm like Ugh. yeah but like, what drives that why why do they want to why would any dog i think it's, eat other poo? i think it's a free lunch isn't it <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer my owner didn't feed me today i'm starving i'm just gonna, I'm gonna go out and eat I'm some poo. Go out and eat some poo. <laughs> yeah well it, it's puppies do it a lot a lot of puppies, a lot of puppy owners say to me, my dog, my puppy will eat poo. My puppies will eat anything. You know, I think most puppies should be called Dyson or Henry because the <laughs> amount of stuff they suck up from the floor. I've heard of puppies eating wet wipes. I've heard of, puppy, I heard of, of a puppy actually eating a pine cone, a whole pine cone. I mean, um, that's better than poo, though. It's it? better you than poo. You can justify that. I mean, <laughs> as, I mean, as humans, we would look at that and go, that's disgusting. But for an animal, especially a dog, it's, it's a natural instinct. Because think of a dog, yeah. (laughs) If you think of like a dog when they're out in the wild, if they live in the wild, they don't know when their next meal is going to come. So obviously, what is poo? Most of it for a dog is is digested grain or meat, isn't it, from their food? Because dogs are omnivores, they'll eat vegetation and Mm. meat. Mm. So sometimes when it comes out to a dog, there's some type of nutrient in it. Because again, remember their noses will work differently to ours. They can pick up different smells. So they probably just look at that and go, well, there's something in there that's edible. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I've seen puppies that will poo and then eat their own poo. <laughs> you know, it's... It's like poo. Mm, that's not as nice. I'm going to eat that. Then I'll, I'll eat the poo and then I might poo it out again. It's, and it's kind of recycled two or three a times. There's film of some sort to that description. I'm oh, sure I don't know what films you've been watching. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do walk a couple of dogs and one dog, I'm not going to say the name in case it embarrasses the owner if she's listening, but her dog will actually go out and seek out poo to eat it. She wow. she will eat it and she will roll in it. You know, she just loves poo. <laughs> and so someone's over the woods. I actually have to keep her on the lead. You know, if there's a if there's a fresh horse, horse manure or cow pat, she's in it. Yeah, you know, that's she, quite common though, isn't it? Yeah. Some dogs. And it's around scent. It's I their guess. scent, yeah. But to eat poo, it's kind of like it's got nutrients in it. It's a free hot meal to them, you know, and they just Literally think hot. if it's there, if yeah, yeah I mean, if, if it's warm, even better, isn't it? But it's, you know, but it's kind of like, like nature's menu to them. And it is a disgusting habit, especially if they then eat poo and then they want to go lick How would you train to come out with that though? It, again, it's not something you train, you just manage it. Right. You just have to manage it. So with the little dog that actually seeks it, I just watch her all the time with one beady eye. Mm. And if she stops and she's sniffing something, it's like, come, you know, quick, straight away, whistle. I have to snap her out mm. of it. Because as soon as she is nose down, I know she's on mm. some sort of poo. Mm. And her owner once said to me, like, could you maybe walk around, like, the local, like, housing estate instead? I said, she doesn't do it. I said, but that's not really enriching enough for her. Mm. I said, what I can do is just keep an eye on her. Yeah. You know, call her away, call her away if needed. Oh, I mean, there's there's a retriever we sometimes walk, and if there's a cow pat, he'll eat that. Wow. And if it's been drying under the sun, you know, it's a it's crispy on the top but soft in the middle. And then, then they all they want to do is then lick you. I'm sure. Yeah. They do it for purpose. It's like I'll eat poo and then I'm gonna lick my owner. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> eat poo then I'm gonna lick Damien's face. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he'll love that. But I always say to the owners, you know, if they if they have eaten 
poo on a walk, I tell them yeah. just in case their poo is then a bit runny mm. later on. So yeah, it's it's just nature. I mean, people have said to me, why do they do that? They're doing it to annoy me. I said, everything a dog does is instinct. That's true. It's not logic. Yeah. The dog's not going to go, I'm going to eat that poo to annoy my owner. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's just what they do. It's what they do. It's sorry, what they but... do. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to kind of end it on that final question. I, I know. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. But how, how about I ask you a question? Oh God, go on. Have you got a favourite breed? Yeah. Um. I like I said, Great Dane. Um. Fallen in line with a Red Setter Golden Retriever. I grew, oh, up, I grew yeah. up with Red Setters. Yeah, I like Red um, Setters. Had about three. Yeah, they're cool dogs. Up. You don't see them much anymore. No, um, no. They're sometimes they're called Irish setters, aren't they? Yeah, we walk one called Murphy, and he's lovely. He's lovely. But we have to keep him on a lead because he has that Bouncy. scent on him. Yeah. yeah. He once saw a squirrel go up a tree, and I had him on a long line, and he actually started scaling the tree like a bear. Wow. He was gripping the tree. I felt like I was flying a kite. He was sort of, and I was trying to pull him off the tree, and it's just because he saw a squirrel. Yeah, they're, they're just amazing. Amazing breed, amazing to look at. Great coat. Yeah. Very friendly, oh. great personalities. But yeah, Golden Retriever, Red Setter, um, anything big, a big yeah. dog. I'm, I'm not, I mean, each, each to their own. Um, not too keen on the smaller side of dogs, but um, mm. bigger the better. I usually find it, again, it's that nature or nurture, isn't it? If you're grown, If you've grown up as a child with a certain type of breed, you tend to veer towards that breed yeah. sometimes i mean i remember when i was younger we had a german shepherd called ben then we had a king charles spaniel called smudge but now one of my favorite breeds is a labrador so i'm like yeah. well, what's that about but i think a labrador probably suits me because i'm active that's true because i'm very active I'm all the time yeah uh another question is if if you then decided now to go on and work with dogs what sort of job role would you do working with Damien, dogs you're putting me on the spot would you be a walker <laughs> would you be a trainer would you be a groomer um i would be a vet a vet if i yeah if i had to kind of think outside the box a little bit i'd probably say vet extended question why looking after the dog yeah recovery taking care yeah it's something about that isn't there i guess for me anyway it's a sense of um well it's helping after, isn't it it's helping yeah looking after the dog because you're quite a chance. caring person anyway aren't you so yeah, yeah. so no absolutely maybe a vet with like domesticated animals because i mean you sometimes you can get like vets that want to work in a zoo i've known vets that kind of are like a big cat specialist oh or... my goodness me there would be no way that i would go and treat a lion <laughs> <laughs> or a tiger or anything like that i think you'd there. have to i think you'd have to sedate <laughs> them first <laughs> yeah so i'm staying in the cage don't worry leave it to me no domesticated yeah. yeah domesticated all the way you wouldn't yeah. want to go into a lion's enclosure and say i'm going to brush your teeth <laughs> Because, with, with one of those beef pâtés because you've just eaten some poo <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. god they'd be full from for days wouldn't they yeah and, um, i mean one of my old students from eastern eastern college where i teach now he's called lewis he had to do a volunteer placement at vet surgery i can't remember where he is now i think he's near london and he said they actually brought in an alligator and what they had to do, they, this is the honest truth, they had to clear the reception out. And obviously the alligator had been sedated and it had come in from a local safari park and it had something wrong with it. And he said they moved all the people to the side of the waiting room 
and they had to get people with dogs and that's way outside. And he said they wheeled this alligator in on the stretcher. And he said the faces of the general public were like, oh, my well, yeah, God. That's not something you see every day. Exactly. Yeah. And, and But it was an emergency operation that this alligator needed. So imagine that. You're booking... What was wrong with the alligator? I can't remember what he said. I'll have to ask him. He'd be another good person to get on here. Yeah. Imagine like you're just booking your dog in for a flea treatment and this mm. alligator gets wheeled through. Oh, goodness me. If you could wear, so it's another random question, not dog related, but if you were to... I mean, I, I know you, I've known you for years, I know how much you love animals, but yeah. if you were to not work with dogs or a domesticated animal, what animal would you work with and why? God, that's the easiest question in the world. I, can I just say, Go I on. would say sharks. Yep, great white great sharks. Great white sharks, yeah. Yep. Why though, Damien? Like, what is it about great white sharks that you love? I just think they're beautiful. I think they're amazing animals. And when I, vol I did some volunteering in South Africa, uh, for two weeks with great white sharks and i was just amazed at how graceful and peaceful they were because when you watch programs on tv again like we said about staffies and rottweilers that sharks are stereotyped as they're going to attack the cage yeah they're going to smash the cage to pieces but they're not they were so individual in terms of personality mm. and i've always loved the ocean so i think to be a, a shark biologist what a job that would be. Yeah. I mean, when I was in South Africa, I asked them if they did like internships. I mm. said, like, because I stay out here for a year and they said, oh, we only do like volunteer placements for two weeks. But yeah, that would be the dream. Because people say to me, oh, your favorite animal must be a dog. And I say, think of a land animal, sea animal, air animal. I go, you know, I, I like dogs and bears, mm. grizzly bears on land as well. I love bears. Great white shark in the ocean. And then up in the sky, I like eagles, like oh. like harpy eagles. Yeah. I like I like peregrine falcons. You know, I love birds of prey as well. So it's yeah, it's kind of varied really. But I'm lucky every day to work with dogs. Well, you're very good. You're very good at working oh. with dogs. I've seen you in action. Oh, thank you. There goes my <laughs> ego. <laughs> so yeah, we've asked quite a few questions there, and that half an hour has gone really, really quickly. So thank you for having me on. No, it's okay. Absolute pleasure. There's some good questions because they really, really did uh, put me on the spot. And if you're tuning into this podcast, thanks everyone for listening. I've known Crystal for quite a few years and she is one of my one of my best friends. And I said to her, just prepare some questions and just fire them at me. And she was like, what should I ask? I said, just think off the cuff. So we've it's been talking about favorite breeds. We've been talking about dogs sniffing each other's butts. We've been talking about dogs eating poo. And then we finish <laughs> off talking about great white sharks. So a very <laughs> random podcast, but as it says, it's called On The Spot. So um, yeah, thanks for tuning in and listening, everybody. This is the Fetch Podcast. My name is Damien, and if your dogs are listening, tell me what they think. <laughs>